Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's up. That's up. Mitch, we are live. You're in a place to be. What's going on, man? You know, just living the dream. Another beautiful, beautiful day here in San Diego. I got to um, I got to work a little bit. I got to climb with friends. I got to walk my dogs and I, I can't complain. How about you? Just sounds like a solid Wednesday right there. But yeah. <laughs> you set the bar pretty high, man. I, I just had work and went and did my workouts and got some food. Now I'm here, man. So but it's still a good. It was a good day. But you can't rise. Food was the best part. Yeah, uh, food was always the best part, man. Food's yeah. always the best part. But before we get going, though, why don't you just give a little brief background about yourself so the audience kind of knows what we're about to dive into and what might what they might be getting ready for here. Awesome. Let's do it. Yeah. So uh, name is Mitch Hankins. I grew up in uh, the Netherlands, actually. I lived there the first 20 years of my life. And, um, you know, I had an American dad, so I eventually decided to move over to the United States by enlisting the Air Force, Mm. uh, especially just because I never felt at home there growing up. It was very uh, this conform conformative culture, I would say, you know, where I felt any attempt to be creative or unique was really suppressed. And I always had this idea of the United States as the ultimate place of freedom. So I always kind of had this urge to move here. And uh, I realized that when I was around 20, I, I made the move here and spent a couple of years in the military, started a computer science degree, um, float my way into um, a software engineering role um, I- because I'd always kind of had this aptitude for computers. And, you know, I ended up building a pretty professionally, a pretty solid life for myself. And, you know, you and I chatted about this a little bit earlier, but at some point I really noticed like, well, something's missing, like. I'm hitting those financial targets I'm setting, you know, all these these goals I'm setting for myself. Um, I'm I'm reaching them, but I still don't feel as as good as I thought I would. Yeah. And I kind of went on a really introspective journey then. And I discovered that I didn't really have community. I didn't really have close friends. I didn't really have, you know, much meaning in my life beyond the professional and, you know, some personal goals I set that really didn't involve anyone else. And that's really when I set out to create more of a balance in life. And I noticed very much that this was an issue for many young professionals, especially engineers. And so I started blogging and speaking and writing about these things and coaching because I knew that this was just a huge 
problem. And ever since I started doing that, um, you know, I got to say, I'm a lot more in love with life just because it's not just waking up and grinding anymore. It's like actually kind of making a difference. And um, that's, I would say, is my introduction. Nice, nice. So, I mean, going off that, though, and I guess my first question to you that was kind of ringing in my head, and I know we talked about another podcast guest that I had on before, but is that like what you were doing, the grind and trying to get up to, you know, make a certain amount of money and knowing that that's what success was and that is that the social norm of the modern world, I guess, is that people think they have to, you know, yeah. go get the master's degree or go get a doctorate degree now or and then be number one. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do this, obviously, but I'm just saying that. But it's in doing that, they put so much effort into this that they don't understand, like you said, you call it a balance in life where, you know, they're putting in 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week, but they're not really understanding, hey, you know, am I really, let me take a step back here. Am I really, truly happy? Am I, is this where I really want to be in my life? Yeah. You know, Chris, honestly, I see that everywhere around me and I, I think there's so much expectations that are set for us and so much um, programming that we, we receive from society through like advertisement and the way adults, you know, treat children that we are really trained to conform to certain behaviors. And then we're good boys or bad boys, depending on how we do. And we really learn to deprioritize our own impulses, our own feelings of what feels right and what feels good to us in favor of other people's opinion of us. And we learn our whole lives, we internalize these lies as truth. Yeah. And really what it comes down to, I think self-development isn't so much as adding to yourself. It's more like sculpting where you're chipping away all those lies and kind of coming to your own core and discovering who you are as a person. Because all we've really, as you said, been been taught is that what success in the modern world looks like is to have a high salary and to be able to provide and to have a large house and a nice car and go on the nicest vacations. And, you know, we're doing things we don't like to do. And we work a job that we don't like to support that to impress people that we don't care that much about. True. And that isn't something I think we do super consciously. Like if you were to ask someone, they wouldn't probably right away admit to that. But, you know, if you follow these routines for, you know, decades or generations, it's just become so ingrained that we don't even really question it, like to go against our parents' wishes or our family's wishes, you know, that's almost, you know, it's some kind of heresy. It's, it's, it's very disrespectful almost. And it's so important, I think, to really chip away those lies and really figure out what it is you want in life. Um, because otherwise you're just gonna, you know, when you're on your deathbed, you're gonna have regrets. Like I wish I had the courage to try that, or I wish I had done this or that. And I wish I didn't care so much what other people thought. Like you will never regret trying something that you truly want to try, even if you fail. And it's all about that journey of, of, of self-discovery. And I think that that's pretty strongly discouraged, um, because it's expected, you're expected to go to school and to have that nice job and all these different things. But you know, you become so busy that you don't really have time to to do any inner work. Like the whole, our whole society is built around keeping people busy through um, very menial stuff, like constant text messaging, both through, you know, at work, like constant instant messaging or 
constant social media notifications or advertisement, uh, you know, bombardments from advertisements. Like we don't really have that um, period of solitude anymore of, of really that quiet time where we really get to reflect on ourselves. Sure. Sure. You know, one thing, you know, I'm guilty of this too, you know, growing up, like you told us, you, you said lying to yourself and that one thing that whenever I went to go do something, I was almost not necessarily lying to myself, but I was also kind of selling it to myself. You know, whenever everybody was asking like at family get togethers and stuff, you know, Hey, what are you doing? You know, like, hey, I want to go for this degree. This is why. And, you know, and I, it's probably the best choice for me right now. This, I feel like this is the right thing to do. And I remember just always having to you know say things like that just because it was yes. the right thing to say, especially to family members, because if you were going to say, Hey, I'm just going to renounce all my positions and go backpack it across Europe and see what happens. You know? I mean, uh, cause then you'd be the black sheep of the family. They're like, what are you doing? You know, but, and I remember just all, and I don't know when it finally occurred to me that, you know, selling these lies to not only everyone else, but to myself, it was like, this is not what I really want to do. And I think it was just, like you said, I finally ended up in a certain position where, you know, you started out in a job or whatever. And it was kind of like what we were talking about earlier, but it was like, this is what led me to hear it. Like, you know, just saying that I had to go do this type of job just to be success, successful in this area of my life, which is really not everyone else on the outside looking in sees it as successful, but I don't, and I'm kind of hurting inside, you know? Yeah. And yeah. that was kind of what went down with me, you know, graduating college and just that I went, the reason I went to get my master's degree just because it was like, Oh, I have to go do this just because it'll help me get a better education or a better job. You know, I don't have really anything else to do right now. So why not? So let me take out some couple loans, get another degree and it'll help me, which maybe the time it would have, but I'm one of those guys who, you know, I was a PE major and then we did sports management for my master's and now I work in IT, which, <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's like, well, that did a lot of good. And that's and like you were saying though, even as a little child and even my, family members told me that I was always kind of attracted to computers and technology and just trying to, you know, be the person that wanted like the cool new stuff and see like how it could help everyday life. So that might be a little bit of a ramble, but that's just what I was thinking about how much I used to always have to say that, oh yeah, I want to go do this, this, and this, just because I, I don't know if it's people pleasing or just the right thing to do, but it D all the above. It makes total sense. Yeah, I know. I can totally relate to that. You know, I'm curious. Did you go for the PE degree? Because like, was that like, um, like told you a lot when you were younger? Like, oh yeah, that would be a really good area to go in because maybe you can't sit stale or something or. Well, the, well, so when I first started, I started out in business in my bachelor's degree. And then just because, you know, everyone always did business, right? I don't know what it or most people do business just because it's oh for sure yeah, yeah just because it's yeah, business yeah. right it's, yeah, yeah. Do business ethics or whatever but yeah. and i just did it just because i thought i was supposed to do it i didn't really know why or how to plan for it so i got halfway through business and found out i didn't like it i might maybe a semester or two in then i kind of got pushed into accounting and okay yeah which i you know i don't mind doing the work and like trying to figure out things and i think that's kind of what attracted me to it but you know, as I went in through one semester of accounting, I was, there's no way I can sit here and do this the rest of my life, just sit here at this desk. And, and I think part of it is like, you know, it was a sexy job, so to speak, just because you make, you can make a lot of money depending on how good you are. And just if you don't mind working. So I kind of maybe got some bad advice and that's went to accounting. But then the third time it was when, you know, I don't know how PE came about, but it was kind of what you just said that they're like, well, if you don't, if you want to be active all day and if you, you want to coach and if you like sports and, you know, if you just want kind of a have the summers off and have a nice little job, yeah, like be a teacher. 
And I was like, well, that kind of makes sense, you know, just, you know, teach people how to play basketball all day or whatever. And just, uh, you know, have the summers off. That sounds perfect for me. And so that's why, and then I was already in year two or three of college. So I was like, well, I can't keep changing majors. And I mean, I can, but I shouldn't. So I just, right. stuck with, I just stuck with it. And now I, I liked it. Don't get me wrong. I learned a lot. I met a lot of good people, but it was just kind of like, well, like you were saying about this telling lies and selling things to yourself. It just made sense in that form at that point in my life. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny you say that because I kind of went on a similar trajectory and, you know, growing up, I was always told like, you know, I'd be doing something like that. Teachers would always kind of encourage me to go in that direction because, and then I ended up like in, in a tech related field too. Right. So I kind of have to laugh at that, but you know, and also when it comes to education itself, I do think it's very beneficial, but the problem with education itself as well is that I don't think it necessarily trains or creates creative thinkers you know it's very much a perpetuation of creating um almost you know soldiers like when you really look at the history of it you know the old uh, or the old greek model of it was where they taught uh grammar rhetoric and logic where grammar was you know knowing what words meant logic meant knowing how to use words and 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 how to make a case and rhetoric meant persuasive speaking essentially so people were very you know that's why you had that boom of all those philosophers and sure. all that really introspective thinking and then the romans came in and they didn't need creative thinkers they needed soldiers so their school system was built around obedience and about you know being a cog in the machine and that's really what the modern society is still based off of and you know, it school doesn't encourage teamwork. If you do that, it's called cheating. You know, school doesn't encourage learning from failure, even though in real life, you know, failure is a stepping stone to success. And now we have this whole society just terrified of failure because we think it's bad. And that really starts in, in, in childhood with school and things like that, even though I think failure is one of the best things that can happen. So I think school is is a really good thing. Education is a great thing in general, but I, I think it can set up people on a path for failure just as much as it can really set up people on a path for success. Mm -hmm. um, like I personally dropped out of a computer science degree. I made it about halfway through and then uh, I got hired and then I was like, you know what? I'm done. And I, I never went back to it. And now it's kind of like, um, I don't know, almost... I don't want to say badge of honor because I do think in many cases a degree comes in really, really handy and it really does teach people a certain type of structure in these things. But, you know, we live in a day and age where you really can choose to go your own path. Like you can go on the internet, teach yourself things like you don't need to take that, that, that path that is kind of set by expectations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes when I get on here, I feel like I shit on education. A lot. <laughs> and, and, and I'm I not to. Yeah, and I don't mean to just because, you know, I mean, I was very fortunate to have, you know, my degrees and I learned a lot. And I met a lot of good people along the way. And but it's like what you just said, though, that if you have any idea of what you want to do in life, if you want to go be a programmer or I don't know, run a entrepreneur, some type of business of whatever, you can do that basically with the YouTube university now, you know? Yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can go look up anything you want, find out what people are doing, take master classes or whatever. And that there's really no need to take out thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars just for to get, you know, a piece of paper on your wall just to say that, hey, I went and did this. And which 
it's good. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, you should just drop out of college right now, but it's, and, and, and I've said this a lot of times on here too, that it was exactly to your point that it's schools or seem to be set up to teach you what to think and not really how to think. Yeah. And that I'm wondering though, in this new modern world where we have these long drawn out conversations like podcasts and that, you know, there's other ideologies people can listen to about, I don't know, any hot button topic there is, or even just any industry there is that you don't have to always listen to what, you know, your, uh, your typical algebra teachers telling you there and whatever her beliefs are and that where you can't go, where if she tells you that, Hey, you know, there's dolphins that orbit around the moon, but I don't know if that's right. Let me go look this up, you know, where I can fact check right now. Right. I like pull up my phone real quick. So, and that's one of the things now where you can, and I'm wondering if that's, the tipping point in education now that we're seeing that maybe a change of model of education. Now this is not an educational podcast, but changing the model of how we do things. And maybe there's a way to restructure the edu- educational system where we can teach people to be free thinkers. Oh, did you freeze up? Uh Oh, right. Okay. You're back. You froze up for a second. So, um, but yeah, if we reach this tipping point where, um, people can start to be free thinkers and let's not go down. They make their own path, you know? Yeah, I I completely agree. That's actually why I'm so stoked because I do think we're facing quite a few issues. Like that's, you know, we don't have to go into why, but obviously as society in every country, we're facing a lot of issues. And that's one of the things that make me so hopeful for the future is exactly that point where we don't have to rely on dogmas anymore. We don't have to rely on what other people tell us, like with the internet and everyone being connected. I mean, there's a lot of downsides to it, which I've written about a lot. Like, you know, it, it's a, it's it's definitely come at a cost where um, it's creating certain barriers between people, you know, where, you know, we're eating the menu instead of the meal kind of thing due to the internet. Like definitely, I would say like meaningful in-person interactions. Um, you know, now a lot of things are happening online. But also, as you said, the fact checking and the newer generations can instantly look everything's at their fingertips and yep. they're no longer constrained to all the molds that have been set before us. And I feel like that's really, you know, if you want a society of free thinkers, I think that's the very foundation of it, where people have a the freedom to express themselves and be the ability um, to do that and also to look things up. It's it's never been easier and you know we all know how quick young people are with their phones like that to me is incredibly exciting um because i think that can change the society like you know you it it can't be contained like you have a lot of um authoritarian governments that are trying but in the end i i think i think with the technology that we have it's it's really unstoppable like it's it's not something that can be held back anymore and for me that's the most exciting part of our future um, as a species is just the free flow of information is 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 everywhere you know and to me that's that's by far the most um the most encouraging development i would say do you know who andrew huberman is yeah yeah i listen to his uh, podcast yeah he's got a great podcast i listen to him from time to time too but and i was listening to him yesterday or today but anyway he had lex friedman on there and they, he was talking about kind of the educational system to where it kind of to your point where more children are smarter now compared to 
I forgot how many years he said ago. And that his point was that I can't remember if it was at UCLA or Cal Berkeley or one of the universities, but I think a professor ended up quitting just because of how smart I think I can't remember what professor it was a her or he, but the class was just kind of calling them out on certain topics about whatever she was, uh, you know, lecturing about and that she ended up quitting just because she couldn't handle, I get not the criticism, but just couldn't handle how, I guess, how the students were already smarter than her, so to speak. Right. So, and I think a lot of people, you know, like to put down technology in certain ways. And I'm not saying technology is awesome, but I'm not saying it's terrible either. But into that point though, where, you know, you have the, capacity to look up anything you want at any given time and then you read it you hopefully remember it and that kind of you know you go down rabbit holes and stuff and you learn a whole lot hopefully depending on what sources you're going after and you can start to retain this information and express your own forms and opinions and it makes you maybe a little bit more rigid maybe a little less rigid not sure what the word i'm looking for here but you're able to if you feel confident enough to you know express those ideas in front of somebody who is supposed to be the smartest person in the room and not be prepared yeah then it's it's a cool way to i guess learn and even though it's not the status quo of learning it's just a i'm not saying it's a better way but it's a good way you know to our points that i've learned a lot more by googling stuff watching youtube videos reading yeah. my own books that i've actually said hey let me go see what this guy's talking about see what he thinks and like and having these conversations to see your point of view and the way you see things and just like, Oh wait, I really never thought about it that way. That makes perfect sense. Rather than just being stick to a one fixed mindset. Yeah. 100%. I agree. I think that's why being challenged is so good. Like I, I think that's what I struggled so much growing up in Europe where it was very much like, don't challenge this, you know, don't rock the boat, don't challenge things. And that's the problem with the old school dogmatic um, education where it's like, don't challenge, just consume information. Just like, you know, kind of gets forced down your throat almost kind of um, to put it cruelly. And or crudely and and it's really when you get to challenge thing is things is when you get to learn like when i was in school for computer science i didn't enjoy it because it was professors literally lecturing it's not interactive it's not where you get to say you know hey why is this so or i think it should be this in this way and it becomes a really static fixed mindset environment versus you know, I taught myself coding. I mean, I barely learned. I mean, I learned a lot of interesting things about computers, but I didn't learn truly how to code like yeah. on the level that companies are willing to pay for from school. Like I learned that by going online, as you said, by following YouTube videos, by following tutorials and by challenging things like by challenging my my knowledge, by challenging conventions and standards and messing up and learning from what I did wrong. And then you know, you're going to, you're going to remember it better. Like when there's an emotion attached to an experience, like, um, like failure or success, like when there's an excitement or embarrassment tied to it, you know, emotion is nothing more than encoding memories in the brain. And that's how you remember things. That's how you learn things. And that's how you can get better. And, you know, the whole education system tends to be such a, you know, lifeless tract that by the time you get out of it, you, you know, you, you have, you retain maybe 1% of it. And then really when you get to a job, especially as programmers, like by the time they get out of a computer science degree, um, it isn't so much like they're ready to work. It's unlearning all of that education first and then learning how to do it the proper way, <laughs> <laughs> you sure. know? And, sure. and, and so 
no, education isn't a bad thing, but it has to be seen for what it truly is. And it isn't the holy grail. And, you know, it isn't the 70s or the 80s where you go get a degree and you work for the same company for 30 years and then they pay you benefits until you die. That's not the reality we live in anymore. You know, like 401ks aren't even they aren't even true investment accounts like they were designed as saving accounts for the rich. And now they're used as um, as equity accounts. Right. But that's not even what they were designed for. It was literally just companies saying like, hey, you know, we had these uh, defined contribution plans, uh, DCPs, and now it's um, it's it's where you get to choose yourself, like with 401ks and such. And for companies, those defined plans were too expensive. Um, so we switched to these 401ks and that took all that certainty away where you weren't going to get a pension that was fixed, that was steady until you died. Now it's all, all like what you contribute to it. And that certainty of go to school, uh, get a job, stay there for 20 years, retire, that just isn't reality anymore. And that is in some ways a disadvantage um, I think, you know, in the past, it was a lot easier for people to get that job, to get the house, to, you know, have a have the basics in life. And nowadays, that can be a lot more challenging. But also, because of that, there's so much more opportunities, like look at all these kids going on TikTok or on Instagram, and, you know, influence and making money, and you can say you can have different opinions on it, some provide more value than others. But the idea is, you know, you can really go in any direction that you want. The only thing from my experience that's holding people back is fear like fear of what are other people going to think mm -hmm. and you know the fear of yourself of like what if i fail that's really the only thing holding people back and and if you listen to podcasts like these there's so many people that made that journey and that say like well you know the only thing you're going to regret is is not trying but within this landscape because of those issues within education there is so many opportunities for self-expression. It's literally, or it's nearly um, limitless, you know? Sure. And I, I, I don't know, but I, I think that's pretty exciting. I mean, I'm sure you've seen it where you're like, how are people making money doing this? But it's there, right? Like it's, it's definitely there or there's good ways of what are you doing? Just faking it to the world and just right. people living in complete debt, you know, and there's a, I mean, to your point, all right, before I get, get sidetracked, though, one thing you're talking about when, you know, starting something and looking like a fail or being failing at something or looking like a fool to starting something new. Somebody asked me last night that uh, have I ever started a, a business or am I an entrepreneur? And I said, well, besides this podcast, I don't even know if I would say that's entrepreneurship, but I've never really started anything as far as business wise. And and. He asked me why, and I, I said exactly what you said, well, fear of failure, and mm -hmm. that, you know, I have a small, I guess, safety net that I could, you know, fall back on if I did were to go down that road and start a software company or something with you, Mitch, let's just say that, for example, and then if it fails, yeah, I guess I can move back in with mom, but that's not where I'm set up to do, and just, and I think the whole point of the conversation was that, you know, I have a typical seven to four or eight to five, whatever you want to say, and and that I'm very fortunate and blessed, I guess, if you want to say that, that I don't mind going to work every day. You know, it's one of those things that, you know, it's a good job. I have good people around me and, you know, where I'm still kind of freshly new into the IT world. I'm like three, four or five years in now, but it's good. You know, I don't have the typical job where most people who are probably going into a, 
a certain office and uh, yes. sitting under fluorescent lights, almost like a prison and just waiting till mm-hmm. the break time. And, or even people with blue collar jobs who were, who I, I've ran into people who took up smoking just so they could have more breaks, you know, just go outside yeah. and smoke outside yeah. that. Yeah. And then, that, and like you said, that's what they do for the next 20, 30 years. And I was like, well, this is life now or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, that was one. And, and that my situation is a little bit different, but do I want to start something new? Like, yeah, this is kind of why I maybe started this podcast. But also, though, I'm in a different situation, too, though. It's just like I said about my job and everything. So and I already forgot yeah. the other point I was going to bring up. Sorry. But, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'm sure it'll come back. No, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll have a lot of different tangents. No, and you know, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Like, I think entrepreneurial is more for um, I think those desire comes at some point in life but only when you're really fed up with like an office job, for example, or, you know, just circumstances in life where you yearn for that freedom or that control. And, you know, there was definitely a part of my life where I was happy working in an office and doing those sorts of things. Um, But there's so many different ways you can express that. Like it's, I think it's perfectly valid to have, a job that you enjoy going to in an office. And there's a lot of benefits to it because as an entrepreneur, you don't have the same kind of stability. Um, but there's still many different ways so you can express it outside of work. Um, but I still think we take that mentality of school with us, of failure is bad. So where we're still, um, you know, I'm sure that you had many fears around starting a podcast and yet you did. Um yeah. Right, like, I'm what are people? Guy. I mean, dude. Yeah, most like, of the first episode. I mean, it took me literally. Like, I had it sitting ready to go, and like, I I can't remember how long, but it was at least a week. I just kept staring at it, and I'd come home and just like, mm-hmm. I'd have it upload. Like, all right, so I submit it. I was like, oh, nope, no, I can't. Do that. I can't. Do that. I'm scared. Like, you know, the internet's ruthless, man. That's cruel. Right. Can't do it. Can't. And so, so I, would, I would sit on it. So what got you over the? that initial hump of like, what, what made you go screw it? I'm submitting it. I think it, it was just because that I recorded it with one of my best friends. It's just been sitting out there and he kept asking, like, have you posted it yet? You posted it yet? Mm-hmm. No. And I think just finally that and I, I was probably me listening to another, like a Joe Rogan podcast or something like that. And they were, you know, got me all hyped up, wanted me to run through a brick wall. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it just went into something that, <laughs> If you're going to go down this road, if you're going to hit submit, that you have to be able to accept whatever's going to happen once yeah. you press uh, upload or whatever, just because good or bad, if you want to do this, this is how it's going to happen. And then I remember started thinking about, you know, like people who became out as uh, musicians and whatever they had to go through that, you know, mm-hmm. like Nickelback, so to speak. When they came out, everybody loved Nickelback, but now they're just. It's like if you say you like Nickelback, that's uncool for some reason. And Absolutely. I never, really, yeah, and I never really understood that. That's so jammed to him. I don't mind. I play him in a gym, but yeah. but yeah, if you say that to other, I guess I don't want to say I don't know. Really mainstream people, I don't know. But they're like, oh, you like Nickelback? Like what the hell, right? For sure. Yeah, I think that's and yeah. to your question though, that's what it was. Was just that hey, this is it. Yeah. This, if you want to do this, this is the battles and challenges that you're going to have to put yourself through. And even though if you say something stupid on a podcast, you miss quote something that you just got to live with it. You know, people make mistakes Absolutely. and that yeah. and like you were talking about failure, you know, and just that that's what has hit me that. And one thing that's what CrossFit has taught me too that and have these humbling experiences in life where you get an ego check and a little slice of humble pie, but all right, cool. All right. You know, I've made a mistake. I failed at this, but let me fix on it and 
think on it and I'll make sure I don't do it again or hope I don't do it again. So I think that's your yeah. Yeah, long answer, but I think that's just what it was, was just say, man, just, if you're going to do this, you got to go for it, man. You, you know, you got to yeah. have, you got to have a great moment. You can't, you, you're not going to do anything great to sit you're staring at your screen all day and not press and play. So. 100%. Yeah, no. And I mean, that makes total sense with me. It was the same for me taking, you know, taking on my journey of like, um, you know, breaking away from uh, a tech career, I would say, and more so focusing on, on writing and, and speaking and coaching, because at some point, you're like, I just got to do this, like, it feels right. And that's why I guess I'm, I can be so uh vocal about education because i feel like it beats that out of kids like that desire to try because it just instills people with this fear of if i feel i'm bad and i'm so mad at at society for teaching that to kids because every single human being has something unique like by definition every human being has lived a completely unique life and everybody ha is a master at something everybody can teach has something to teach and everybody has a desire to creatively express themselves somehow, you know, and it, again, it doesn't have to be an entrepreneurial way. You don't have to quit your job and become an entrepreneur, but just expressing yourself in a way that is completely authentic without being too concerned of people's opinions. That is very unique to run into. I would say like every one out of 30, 40, 50 people I talk to does that, yeah. you know, it is such a unique thing to run into. And that should, that shouldn't be, um, I think that's the most messed up thing in our society. That shouldn't be the, um, you know, the unique cases. That should be the standard where everybody is like that. Um, and I don't know. I kind of wonder sometimes, like, what kind of world will we live in? And everybody just felt safe and okay to do that. Um, and and didn't have to feel like, oh, I have to project this certain image or, you know, I have to look like this or talk like this in order to be accepted. Like, that is really what I wonder the world would be like if everybody just was leaving themselves truly authentically and expressing themselves authentically. And I don't know. I think we'd live in a much, um, much more lighthearted world, you know, a lot, a lot less people looking to push negativity on other people. Um, I don't know. And, and I think with that whole, you know, tying it back to the kind of the creator culture where, you know, you've got all these young kids on TikTok and on Instagram making content. That's what I think that is moving towards where people are expressing themselves more. Granted, as you said earlier, like people on the internet are mean, like, you know, <laughs> that is, that is still a thing. Um, but I think though that, you know, what, do you think the world is moving into that, realm right now i guess i should say because i think that too just because of the internet and being able to you know so i i guess my point let me put my thought together on this that there is so much more coming out about you know uh gender issues and equality and racism and people are expressing their voices basically through podcasts and protests and i guess news says news segments and instagram and tiktok and whatever that yeah people are starting to feel more freer in saying things that are actually whatever's deep inside them and knowing that, Hey, if you come out as homosexual or you come out as transgender and or whatever, it's more, it's more accepted now where if you were to say that 10, 15, 20 years ago, you know, you had to hide it just because you were going to be the outcast or the black sheep of that. And yeah. that, and then, and not only to those points though, when 
I, you know, I had another guest a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about how he wasn't the true form of what you would say masculinity is just because, you know, he doesn't mind expressing his, his feelings and, you know, and, but he's, if he were to say that a couple of years ago that, you know, he would seem soft, so to speak, or sissies, how he, put yeah. it. that, and then I guess my total point though, is that, you know, 20 years ago, we weren't, you weren't supposed to have conversations like that, or it was weird to have conversations. But, but now when we talk about mental health and gender and racism and have these conversations and have good dialogue with it, I guess that it's becoming more acceptable to the world now. In fact, people can really understand like, okay, they just don't feel this way just because somebody told them to, they actually feel this way because they feel this way. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I feel the exact same way as you do. And I think that's what I'm so freaking stoked about, you know, and that everybody can. Okay, so even if you look at the word respect, right, to me, respect means just leaving something in its original condition without expecting it to change. So like whether you respect people, uh, um, whether you treat people with respect or nature with respect, it's just leaving something in its original condition and accepting it as it is. I think respect is increasing where we are allowing people to express themselves um, without them being afraid of like any kind of repercussions. And that for me is incredibly exciting because, you know, one of the subjects I frequently talk about is actually mental health, like, you know, talking about. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that time diff or about that time difference versus 20 years ago like i'm 30 right now um growing up the way i perceived masculinity was and the way i was raised i have amazing fantastic hardworking, and compassionate parents but the way i was raised is suck it up buttercup like if you have issues you know figure them out like that's your you know we're here to share an excitement but if you've got hardships um keep it to yourself uh, and, and figure it out, do something with it. I once walked home, I had a moped and I, I'm, I kind of modified it to go a little bit over the speed limit. So one night uh, I was, I was driving home and, uh, I ran into three deer. Um, and mind you, I was on a moped. I killed two of them on impact. Um, I skidded across the, the asphalt road. Um, I woke up, I don't know how much later, um, but it, it, it felt like I was in a different reality for a couple of minutes and I had to steer my moped. Like I had to hold the steering wheel completely 90 to the 90 degrees to the left in order to go straight. Like it wouldn't start anymore. So I just had to like walk with it. And I had a broken foot and a messed up wrist to the point where I was in a wheelchair for a couple of months after this accident. And still I didn't call anyone. I walked home for two miles with that damn moped 
because I, that's just, again, that's the condition I had received. Like you're a man, get it done. Don't bother other people with your problems. And that's kind of like the epitome of, of like what demonstrates the mentality I had really well, where it was like, if I'm in pain, it doesn't matter. I don't bother anyone else with that. I solve that myself. And it was the same with my emotions. So I really learned to not bother anyone with those sorts of things. And that really continued into adulthood where I channeled all of that, I would say, you know, frustration and pain into growing a career and teaching myself coding and becoming financially independent. But it came at a cost. It came at a cost of not building community, of not having really close friends, of, you know, I've lived in seven states, two countries, many different cities. And it took me, I would say, almost until my 30th to kind of start realizing that and to actually start building a meaningful life. And that was all because my idea around masculinity, around mental health for men, was something programmed outside of me, you know, by society, not beliefs that I truly had on my own. And I had to dismantle all of that before I could start living a truly meaningful life. You know, so to your point, um, those that was all rooted from a time where it wasn't normal to talk about those things. And it wasn't at the time, it, it wasn't normal to say like, hey, I'm feeling, you know, depressed, or I have anxiety, and I need I need to talk about these things. And you know, now we're living in a time where we can, I'm actually blogging about them. Like I'm noticing these patterns in everyone. I'm writing articles about like, you know, what it does to our health. And, and, and I'm having conversations with people like this, um, you know, on podcasts and in person, and it's just become way normal. There's still people that become a little bit uncomfortable with the subject. Um, but, you know, compare that, as you said, to 20 years ago, when you couldn't talk about these things at all. Um, and I think, there's a lot of people still suffering from that, but probably a lot less than, you know, 20 years ago when all these things couldn't be talked about at all. I feel 100% that a lot of people are still suffering in silence in some yeah. sort of way and that everybody has problems. And But, you know, mental health issues keep coming up little by little by little, like it's on the the rise and this there is a mental health issue in this country and that i don't know if because it's something new and that now that people are trying to figure out like oh, okay well now we're it is a problem now so what do we do to fix this mm -hmm. thing and that it's kind of like trial and error now so there's not a lot of i don't know how much research there is and i'm probably the last person that should be talking about it just because i don't know any stats and figures and any of that way but it is come to seem that everyone is starting to agree on that hey there is something going on in this world or nation whatever you want to say that mental health is on the rise and that now it's time to start taking a look and finding out what's going on with it but why and that was my point to that point but your first point though when you were talking about kind of just being really independent and not really going to people with your problems that's something that i've been dealing with the last who knows how many years and that i just can't seem to get a Baron, is that the word am I looking for? Baron on it? I don't know. Or grasp on it just because mm -hmm. that I've always felt that I've been the person, the solution to people's problems that with friends and family, right? Right. And I don't right. know if it becomes from childhood trauma or stems from that because of that's where all maybe all people's problems come from, mm -hmm. childhood trauma. But I always felt like if I were to ask for help, that I was being a burden on somebody and that. Yes. Yes. 
in that it was just yeah. like they would help if it, or they would forget to help me even if it was a favor or something even something small and that it got to a point where if they would forget to do you know x thing that i asked for that I was like all right well fuck it i'll just do it myself you know whatever i don't need yes. that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it's just I, and, and i don't know and you know i'm 36 and i still do that today where i rarely 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 ask out for a favor or something just because still i feel like if i were to say hey man you, i gotta drop my car off and get an oil change can you give me a ride to work or something just like yeah. i feel like i'm imposing and being a burden on somebody and yeah, yeah that's what i was thinking about while you were talking just that and i just still haven't been but at the end i don't mind helping people just because part of success that that i think is what it means to me is that when i help you know, help you do a task or mm-hmm. I don't know, just anything little thing that I could help you out and be a solution to your problem. It makes me feel good inside to help it. Right. Yeah. Right. But at the end of the day, still it's just like, all right, you know, whatever, just go back and do my thing and whatever. So that was my whole point is I always, always felt like I was a burden on people. Yes. That was I mean, I, I can relate to that. You know, it's, it's, I, and I think that's definitely a very common pattern among people and especially people with childhood trauma. It's that feeling love, uh, you know, if I ask for help, either I'm seen as weak or I'm a burden. But um, I felt that way for many years. But I would urge, you know, you and anyone listening also asking people, if you look at it this way, if you, you know, just as you said, when you help someone, it makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. So when you refrain from someone asking good for, for their help, you refrain from asking someone for, for their help, you also kind of t- take away that opportunity for them to feel good. And for them to create a meaningful bond with you, because when you do learn to really lean on other people and ask for favors and um, not be a user, but, you know, be there for people when they need it and ask them for help and be comfortable with that. It creates a special bond between people, too. Like it makes other people feel needed and it does something like kind of magical sounds like a wrong word. But I've noticed in my, you know, from my personal experience when I kind of started doing that with friends I trusted, um, it created like a really much deeper bond where um, where they were, I, I almost felt like people were were happy to show up for me. And that was for me really, uh, I would say healing almost, where I was like, oh, wow, like I'm not a burden. Like people actually like helping me. Like it makes them feel good about themselves. Like I think that's one of the most powerful dis- things I've discovered about, um, you know, relationships yet. Do you think, you know, touch, I guess, I don't know if this, if I should say this is a mental health issue, but do you think in this world, in a modern world again, that too many people are afraid to say no and are there's too many people pleasers and that's kind of what starts yes. to become a mental health issue just because of yes. doing so many, yeah, I mean, you've already answered the question, but doing so many tasks or whatever it is for people and then it becomes that, you know, hey, I'm, getting almost taken advantage of here and I'm not getting anything out of this, but I'll just, I, now I'm trapped. I can't get out of it. I guess. is that? That'd be yeah, I, I think so. 100%. But I think that's kind of like, um, like a good job and a bad job, you know, like a, a good career and a bad career. Like if you have an employer who keeps asking you to do overtime, but doesn't pay you for the overtime, keeps asking you to take on responsibilities, but doesn't reward you for it. Um, you know, you, you kind of can get a sense for that. And 
that's opposed to like an employer who wants to see you grow and who encourages you and who does ask you for favors, but who also rewards you. It's the exact same with friendships where you're going to know which people you're not going to know up front. And that's the scary part, right? That's why doing favors for people is always kind of a guessing game because you're not going to get to truly find out like who's behind that mask until like a couple of months or maybe even years with people. But as you slowly get to know people and you slowly build up like the quality of favors that you're willing to do for people, you're kind of going to have an idea of, I don't want to say what worth someone has, because that's kind of messed up to people. Like for me, there's a big difference. If one friend asks for a big favor versus another, like who do I have an established relationship with and who do I know is the most trustworthy and, and who is really, I would say, has the highest return on investment if I if I place you know most of my attention there and and that's kind of how I tend to think of friendships they're investments you know just like if you go buy a stock it's like what is the ROI what is the return on investment and what is the risk associated with it like if something has a low risk but a high or sorry a, a low return but a high risk you know you it you know that, that's that's the kind of friend that goes out drinking every day of the week but you know isn't really there when you need them. Sure. You know, versus like a stock where, you know, it probably is going to have a good return and it has a little bit of risk, but it's probably worth it. Like friendships are the exact same way. And, you know, not in like an egotistical sense or like a um, selfish way where it's like, oh, it only matters what I get out of it. But more so like where can I find friends that are going to grow with me together and also going to be there for me uh, when I need them? But who are the people that make like you're going to know in your gut when you're around people that make you feel good. Like all of us have that feeling in our gut. So, you know, that for me has made such a big difference. Just finding the people that make you feel good and that you actually want to invest in, that you want to be there even on the day say you're not feeling that great. And a lot of times I get asked like, "Well, how do you find those people?" And, you know, truthfully, it's just by being curious about the things you're interested in. Like um, I got really curious about climbing, you know, we talked about climbing earlier. Um, yeah. and it turns out that there's a super, uh, cool, like climbing culture around that. Like every time you go to the climbing gym, you meet fantastic people. They're like these super open-minded, like, I, I mean, they're crazy, right? Because these are people that are climbing, like, you know, high in the walls and having to kind of overcome a lot of fear. So you're definitely like encountering a certain type of people there and that's my people. So you know, you go to these kind of, of kind of, I don't know, events or gyms or meetups or clubs, and you meet people that you enjoy being with, and then you start investing in those people. And that's, that's just kind of how you how you build a circle around you, like you go do stuff that you like doing that you're naturally curious about. And you do that with people that have that same interest, because then you kind of have something to bond over, you know? I know exactly um, what you're saying. Um, that's one of the things that attracted me to CrossFit so much. And, you know, I've yeah. been doing it for 10 years and that it's literally like the, and CrossFit always prides itself on the communities, what they're trying to say. It never really occurred to me to after like a few years in where I've actually met some of the best people I've ever met in my life, I guess. And just, you know, putting yourself through a tough workout, you know, with police officers or people who are in the military and, you yep. And it's just so rewarding at the end of the day and just in so much anxiety relief for me too. And that it's yeah. like, hey, you know, I can't go do what a police officer is doing right now or put myself on certain military lines or whatever. But, you know, knowing that we 
I put, put myself through a hard workout with you means a lot that, yeah. and that we bond through that. And it was like, yeah, man, it fucking sucked. But you know, we did it, bro. And, and, yeah. and, and, and again, to your point though, I mean, you know, one of the, one of my best friends that I started out training with, I've been doing CrossFit for 10 years and, you know, we barely, we didn't even know each other when we started out. Then how long should we be married now? But anyway, been married for a couple of years now, but I was <laughs> you know, a groomsman at his wedding. And it was just like, mm-hmm. yeah, these types of friendships that, you know, I, like I said, you know, like, I feel like I do am a burden on people just for certain things, but also you, you build these type of friendships and there is, and I'm not, there's good people that I can find in my life if I need to, I guess is what I'm trying to say, but just finding this community, exactly finding the things that, you know, can help you relieve that anxiety. That's one thing that I was thinking about just where most people feel like I have a lot of anxiety in this modern world, but they don't really have ways to push that out of their body, so to speak. And just so true. Yeah. yeah. And just finding yeah. something like cross it for me and just putting myself through these workouts five to six days a week and just, at the end of the day, it's just like, I needed that, you know, where people don't have that release or they don't want that release. I don't know what it is. You make, you make such a good point there. First of all, I I love that story because if like that all starts with going to CrossFit once, right? Because if you hadn't gone to CrossFit the first time, you wouldn't have been a best or a groomsman at someone's wedding. That's crazy. You know how that builds on each other. And the second is that the second thing that I thought of is that, you know, exercise and anxiety, it's, it's such kind of a two pronged um, discussion where on the one side we have pretty primitive brains. Like if you think about it from like a technological uh, perspective where, you know, technology has increased so fast that our brains haven't really kept up with it. Like the human brain has been developing for millions of years. So for like 99.9999% of the time that the humans have had brains, it was in this like very basic hunter gatherer situation where we didn't have computers we didn't have artificial lights we didn't have constant dopamine releases through like you know games and notifications and big tech like facebook and instagram uh controlling our brains essentially through algorithms and advertisements and selected advertisements and we live in such a busy world compared to our our ancestors like for them it was like Oh, a bison is coming towards me. My stress system, you know, my flight or fight activates. I'm going to run away. And then it's just cruising for a couple of days. Like it's, you know, you're not going to have the same kind of food around you, but it's, 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 it's relatively stress-free for a while. It's not like the modern world where it's like within one 24 hour block within one day, it's this constant alternation between, you know, the, the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system where it's this constant uh, back and forth between uh, stressed and 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 relaxed and stressed and relaxed and you go for, back and forth all day long and people used to be very active you know and now with all the modern comforts of tv and entertainment most of us aren't that active so on one side we are incredibly stressed like more than we have ever been in you know the the development of the human species and we're also the most sedentary the most lethargic where we're moving the least so it's really that exercise i feel like that 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 channels that anxiety because you know some people might call anxiety um like unpleasant but like performers and artists have that exact same energy um but they call it um you know excitement for example like it's the exact same emotion the exact same neural circuitry the exact same hormones being released but they're harnessing it towards something like it's just energy. And some of us, when we have anxiety, we go out and exercise and we use it as energy. 
But the majority of people don't get that exercise and just kind of sit with that anxiety and don't have a healthy way to release it. So, you know, they'll go to overeating or um, using drugs or drinking alcohol or finding other unhealthy ways to release it. And just instead of keeping your, you know, your body healthy. And I think that's another problem that we have in modern society where people don't have healthy avenues to kind of release all that energy, that all that anxiety and all that, that stress that, you know, from, from that modern world. And there's, there's no, I mean, as you can probably test to, there's no quicker way to kind of re- get back to like a stable baseline to like an equilibrium of feeling good about yourself just than by just exercising. Yeah. I, and that's always the first thing when people are like, you know, what can I do for my mental health or to sleep better, to be happier? I'm like, go exercise. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier that, you know, say if you're an obese person nobody wants to go to the gym just because of the judgment they're going to receive walking into a yeah. gym yeah that's the first thing that first thing to success if you're going to do something you got to you know step through the door or whatever the quote yeah. is and that you know you you can't sit there and get better you're not going to get any better doing the same thing by sitting there on the couch eating doritos and watching netflix even though that's fun right. i mean i'm not saying you shouldn't do that i like doing that but yeah yeah but i mean if I guess ultimately, though, if you're unhappy with the way you look, your weight, your health in general, that what you've been doing is not working, obviously, and that's why you're in a position that you're in right now. So you got to do something, whether it's, you know, go walk around the block or actually go to a gym. But you just got to get over those. You got to get out of your own way is what I'm saying. And that and start to learn that, hey, there is some benefits to this and I can clear my head and I actually feel ultimately better. And and one of the things I like to say on here a lot is that uh, Peter Peter Tia he's always talking about keys to longevity oh, yeah. is, mm-hmm. is doing hard things and whether that be physically or mentally and and I think now there's a lot of research starting to come out about how you know keeping your brain active and doing you no know, challenging it you know whether it's start playing golf learn a musical instrument you know read a book a month um, I don't know have cool conversations like this that. It actually decreases, you know, what Alzheimer's and all those type of cognitive yep. diseases where that it leads to more longevity and that which yes. people just have to learn, I think, to get out of their own way and go. Tr- and I'm not saying you have to go run marathons and stuff like that, but go try to like r- walk around the block and see how you feel and attest to that. And like, OK, cool, I can do this. Let me do it again. And then, yeah. you know, if you feel even better, like you got a clear mind, you felt a little anxiety relief just from walking. I'm not saying go run or go do CrossFit or go climb, you know, whatever. Just go do something. You go do something. I mean, what you're doing is yeah. not, so you got to get caffeinated. You got to get motivated and you got to go do something. That's yeah, no, that's, 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 a, that's a great tagline. I love it. It's so true. Especially the point you made about like, you don't have to go run a marathon. Um, that is so true. Like, you just have to exercise moderately and moderately means anything that gets your heartbeat up and gets you, you know, breathing to the point where it's not easy to have a conversation. So for some people that can be just a walk around the block, like you don't have to go run 10 miles. The only thing is that you do something consistently, like, you know, every day or at least like three to five times a week. And you build from there. Like you don't have to start a marathon you can walk a block and, you know, you do that every month or every day of the month. And then the next month you can walk two blocks. Like, you know, you start small, you start with like the smallest step you can take literally. And then you just go from there. Yeah. I took my mom Christmas shopping two Saturdays ago Mm -hmm. and 
you know, and it was in, I don't know how familiar you are with Tennessee, but it's called Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. And it's this really mm-hmm. touristy spot where you bring, it's like a family touristy spot where there's a lot of shopping and eating, basically, and miniature mm-hmm. golf. But she loves it. So I took her there. Like, but anyway, it was so packed. Like, wherever you had to park at was like obviously so far away from the shopping center. Mm-hmm. And then just, and then wherever you park at, like, hey, we're here. We're good. We're not moving. So we're walking wherever we had to go. Right. The whole time, you know, where I'm just walking along and like she's kind of hanging back because you know she's starting to get tired or whatever. It's like, mom, you got to keep up, man. We're gonna mm-hmm. run, and I, and she's like, I didn't know we were gonna do this much walking. And I was like, well, you got to start being a little. I mean, prepared a little bit for yourself. I mean, you just can't sit around and do all this all day just because. What if we go on trips like this and you can't get to the end of the parking lot? You know, whatever. And I'm not calling her out or demeaning her by any means, but mm-hmm. like, oh, man, we're just walking here. We're not. You know, going on a little trot. Yeah. We're doing yeah. That's all we're doing. And well, it's, it ties back to longevity, as you said. Like it, the body really embraces this maxim. The whole biology, all of biology, embraces the maxim of use it or lose it. Yes. You know, and using it doesn't mean use it comfortably. Using it means challenging yourself. Like cognitive decline. Again, like things like Alzheimer's, all these different things are severely reduced just by challenging yourself a little bit like pushing yourself a little bit and the same with uh you know your body like you live not only longer but you have such a happier life if you you know imagine being like 80s or 90s and not being able to do a single thing like what's that life going to be like you know like do you want to live like that when you're in your 80s or 90s or do you still want to go out and do fun stuff and enjoy life like you have to do certain things now and keep yourself in shape. You know, it's just like maintenance on a car. Like if you never change the oil, if you don't take care of it, it's not going to have the same kind of life. And it's the same with your body. You only get one. And one thing you will always hear from people that are older is either if they don't have the mobility they want, they say, I wish I treated my body better. And if they are healthy, they're always going to say, um, you know, I always take great, took great care of my body. I made sure to push myself. I made sure to keep myself in shape and to eat right and to challenge myself. The big key there being challenge myself. Mm-hmm. Like you will always hear that if you ask people. Um, I And I think that's such a key to like a happy life, just keeping yourself challenged. I have a goal and I don't know why I came up with this goal and or if it will ever happen. I hope it happens, but I want to be Centurion just because I think. Hell yeah. Yeah, just saying you did it. I don't know. I don't know many people, especially in my family, that have done it. But I just thought it'd be cool. Hey, I lived a hundred years. I lived a century, and yeah, you know. And I'm loving. You know, like I'm. I think you said you're thirty. I'm thirty six, and like mm-hmm. I'm coming. You know, and so I don't know if you know how much you know about CrossFit, but I'm in a new age bracket in my competitions. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the thirty five through forty level. I don't know what it is, but going into that, that you know, I'm still wanting to pick up heavy shit and do all the cool mm-hmm. muscle ups and stuff like that. And when I'm doing it though, it's just like my, like you said, use it or lose it. Like I want my body to be like, Oh shit, we're still picking up 225. Okay. We yes. still got to keep going yes. here, bro. We can't get start slacking off. Even if we are, um, whatever, 40, whatever, going into our forties or whatever. And just that, yes, yeah. my body's seventies. Like we've 80s. also, be able to we've do all that. seen it right where um you know like somebody gets a kid or something and then they kind of stop taking care of themselves but then you're also taking away from your future with that kid yes. like what's happens when that kid's 20 30 
Like, do you want to be in a wheelchair and they have to pull you, pull, you know, they have to push you around or do you want to be walking like right next to them? Yes. Like these kinds of self-care things, if you want to live a happy life, they're not optional, they're mandatory. You know, if you're not going to be in great health when you're older, if you don't do those things right now, like, you know, and, and to your point, like, you have to tell your body, like, I'm still expecting you to do this. Like I'm treating you with respect, but I'm still, you know, don't get lazy. Cause I'm, I'm doing this and I need you to do this. If, if you had to send a message and you may have already touched on a little bit, but if for people younger, you younger than you and, or older people, and if they are struggling with mental health issues, would that be the first thing you would say is, Hey, get out and start moving your body a little bit, or what would you be, what would be your message to them? Yeah, that's definitely one of of the biggest things that I would say it's 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 get get out of your comfort zone, um, you know, get exercise, like whether it's, you know, uh, walking, climbing, running, weightlifting, um, just do something that you truly like somewhat enjoy doing, or at least can see yourself enjoying in the future. Um, but really get your body moving and have like that outlet. Um and another thing I would say is knowing that you're not alone. You know, I kept a lot of it to myself out of shame because I thought I'm the only one feeling these things and nobody around me is talking about them. And if I do try and talk about these things, they're kind of minimized and I'm made to feel like I shouldn't be complaining. Um, so I'm just going to keep it to myself. But know that I, I, I would say to anyone, know that you're not alone and that every single person, every single one is struggling with something. Like we're all presenting a perfect life, but none of us have a perfect life. You know, we're all, we're all just presenting and it's okay to feel certain things and it's okay to want to work on those and to um, seek out resources that help. Um, you know, one thing that may help people a lot is my blog at the debug uh, I write a lot about these things, but you know, even if those blogs don't resonate with you or um, you know, you just don't enjoy them. There's plenty of resources for you to, um, to, to get help and to, to find people that kind of can get you out of those slums. What's a day in your life look like, Mitch? Uh, honestly, I'm, I'm pretty blessed. I, yeah, no, I would love to, you know, I'm, 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 I would say I've done a lot of thinking about what I want my life to look like. And I'm really happy with what it is because, you know, what I do is I, I found that, my the early hours are really my most productive hours so i wake up at about 6 a.m and i do a morning routine which is i the first thing i do is i just i just love cold so the first thing i do is i'm totally sarcastic by the way i hate cold but the first thing i do is i i jump into uh an ice bath i have like a 47 degree um ice bath in the yard so i jump in that and then i meditate and journal and read a little bit and that's kind of for me to take charge of the day to be like, Hey, I'm, I'm setting the rules here. Like I'm, this is my day, you know, before I do anything for anyone else, this is, this is for me. Um, and then after I do all that, I get some work done. I usually work a couple hours and then, um, I spend, it depends on the day, but most days I'll either go climb, surf or work out or swim. Um, and I do that during lunch hours for, for about two hours, I'm gone. And then I work a few more hours and then it's always, um, you know, fun stuff. Like at the end of the day, every day, I uh, walk to the park to watch the sunset. Uh, it's kind of like my end of day routine. Um, I do that with my pups and then it's done. Then there's no more work. It's just relaxing. Usually it's just reading, 
um, dinner with friends or, or anything fun, but that tends to be the mold for my day, just morning routine, uh, work and exercise and, and seeing friends. I, I make sure to connect with people on, on a daily basis. Cause I just need that. Yeah, no, we're uh, a very tribal species. I guess if that's what you want to say, you know, we absolutely need, said to talk about earlier about community and stuff. We need that. You know, there, I guess there's outliers and anomalies to everything where there is a person who can go live in Alaska in a cabin and never need to be, have any kind of human connection forever. But I don't know. I don't think there's many people like that, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I think that COVID taught, and that's, and I think it's a defense mechanism too. And that COVID kind of taught me that too. You know, I'm a single guy. I only got two dogs, never been married, no kids, nothing like that. But, and when I, you know, during COVID, and we don't have to go down a COVID thing here, but you know, it kind of halted life for me where, but it also didn't change life much for me, except I just had to go put on a mask when I went to the grocery store or right. And, and, and at work, you know, I still went to work. I still had access to a gym. I'm still able to get food. But you kind of, when you really weren't allowed to go around and hang out with people, it was kind of like, oh, yes. Uh, there's yeah. other, I got, you know, at first you're kind of like, okay, cool. I don't, I don't need people anyway. But there is a point where like, hey, I want to go talk, at least say hey to somebody and maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Say what's up to him. And I have like some kind of a conversation. And I mean, it, it, it triggers like this deep fear in us, which makes sense, you know, because like. In tribal days, no contact with anyone meant you're probably going to die. Like, <laughs> so it's this very primal. And I'm I'm an introvert. In some ways, I'm even a loner. I love solitude. Like, I'm big on it. Like, I'm, I'm definitely more into an introverted side. But even then, I've come to discover, like, you can deny it all you want. But hum- we have that desire for a connection. Like, even if you needed a couple of days or a couple of minutes, and, th- and that's all you need. Like, we all have that desire. Yes. Yeah, we do. And that's one thing that I've learned that because, you know, when people used to say, writing was a person like, you know, talking about, you know, if I was burdened somebody and that I would just be a lone wolf and just do my own thing or whatever. But, you know, and and I guess part of these podcasts have kind of taught me that just how cool it is and the art of conversation just to sit down and just talk with a person and just to know like, Hey, what have there been their trials and challenges and tribulations? And what have they've seen in their life journey that I haven't seen? And and that's yeah. just how cool it is. And just to ha- build that human connection. And even though that it is a podcast and or whatever, but it's still the same way I would want to treat a conversation like, you know, with you, if we were having the same conversation at dinner, that I would want it to be the exact yeah. same way. Yeah. And it's like, cool. That's a cool connection, especially when you get like-minded people like yourself who yeah. are all about, Hey, let's move. Let's make ourselves better than yesterday. Let's you know, like I said earlier, let's get caffeinated and motivated. Let's go run through a brick wall and do something today. Right. And yeah. just surrounding you to the, yourself with those types of people in that same cool growth mindset and just challenge mindset is just, it's a badass feeling. I guess that's just what I'm trying to say. It is. No, I I 100 know what you mean. I I'm I'm the exact same way. That's actually why I ended up settling in San Diego because that's where I found my tribe. People that are like that for the first time in my life, where I felt like, wow, these people are like that. Like they want to improve. They want to get better. Um, they want to see me improve. They you know they want to get my potential to the surface. And you know, and then you can have conversations like this where you're not you know, held back by some fear, or you can just truly show up as yourself. And then you can have meaningful conversations like we're having, but like, it takes some work to get there. Yes. Yes. We're always working on ourselves for sure. It's always 
I always like to say there's room for improvement just because that, and that's another thing I guess maybe CrossFit has taught me or even just learning to do these podcasts that there's always room for improvement. There's learn ways to do things differently. And yeah. you know, there's always so, probably another person out there. I forgot who said this Jocko Willink or somebody, but there's always somebody out there still grinding or doing something yeah. trying to be better than what you're doing. Yeah. So it's like, okay. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm trying to be the new Jocko Willink or anything, but you know, if I do something like, you know, whatever I put into some, what you put into something is what you're going to get out of it. I firmly believe. Absolutely. Yeah. I can agree more. Like it takes effort. Um, things aren't just going to, at some point things starts flowing towards you, but it isn't until you've put in the work first. Exactly. Exactly. But Mitch, I think that's a good way to take this conversation home right there. I don't want to keep it on here all night, but I appreciate you being here and uh, you're a badass person. I, I mean, I was loved having this conversation with you, but um, if you want, I know you have the debug life, but if you want to plug that again, or just if people want to find you or just anything you want to plug in general, just feel free to do that. Sure. Yeah. No, thanks for having me. I feel like we could go all night. So <laughs> um, yeah, you know, people can, if they're interested in what I have to say, like I kind of write a lot about things that we've been discussing uh, at the debuglife.com. And then uh, people can also follow me on Instagram. I'm the debuglife.com or the debug life there. <laughs> No.com, just the debug life. And, you know, I post a lot about, about my morning routine there and like the stuff I do in life. So like what I was talking about earlier, like the adventures I go on, a lot about my dogs, um, you know, just the stuff I'm up to um, and the things I'm reading about or reading about and writing about. I kind of share that on there. Um, so yeah, that's really my, the main thing I'm trying to do right now, just connecting to people and kind of putting some of, um, the things I've learned, just kind of paying that forward. Um, so yeah. Well, cool. Again, I mean, I appreciate you doing this. I mean, I enjoyed talking with you and maybe down the road, hopefully we can do it again sometime. So I would love to. Sounds great. I appreciate you. All right. Well, uh, anything else, any other last messages you want to give out or no, I would just say, you know, people, thanks for listening. And Again, there is so much anxiety and so much uh, doubt, like every age and everyone ha of us has that it's not unique to you. It's not uh, something to be ashamed of. It's something really to learn from, you know, and it can if you're willing to learn and if you're willing to lean into that curiosity, um, there's so much you can learn about yourself and and you won't regret it. So I just want to encourage people to get curious about themselves. Cool. Well, I love it. Thanks, Mitch. All right. Thank you. Appreciate you. Out here, folks. See you. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 
21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 